Episode of Reality Tonic. I am your host, Spencer. We have our world famous co host, Robert. Robert, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for asking. Rob, did you know <laughs> that we have, I consider a very famous person? Okay. <laughs> I don't know why she's laughing, but she was the runner up of the 2020 Boston Comedy Festival in the winner of the 2020, 2020 Boston Comedy Festival and the winner of the 2021 burbank comedy festival yeah hell yeah welcome janelle <laughs> draper hey, hey thanks for having you? me hi guys how's things going i'd rather be introduced as um your semi-formal day or whatever that's day. right for all the viewers at home listen we're gonna get a little deep for one second <laughs> i know janelle very well she was uh my date for the junior cotillion or something yes. like that it was like eighth grade though yeah, oh, it was maybe. it was middle school? Yeah, it was middle school. I remember I had my hair up in this like stupid bun, and like Rob, you went with Mary Ellen. Was, yes, Mary Ellen was a rather small young lady, and Rob was yep. a, a big boy at the time. So it was I a was very cute picture. Very. Me chubby. and Janelle looked fly as always, and as yeah. we do now. That so, was a good time. So it was a great time, and then time passes by. Oh, I hit the microphone. Yeah. Time passes by. Don't hear from you for a little bit, right? I'm not really on social media, but next thing I know, I'm hearing about. Janelle being a stand-up comedian. It's not some grand accomplishment to get married. Literally right now, anyone can get married. Do you know who can get married? First cousins. And then my friend was like, well then, why aren't you married? After I cried a little, I was like, because my cousin said no. So I see her at my high school reunion and I go, hey, I heard you're trying to be a stand-up comedian. And you know what she said, Rob? You want to know what she said? Janelle, do you know what you said? I think I already told you this, but you You told me at uh, at Emerald Rose, but I probably wouldn't have remembered. But you should have, because this I'll never forget. You said, I'm not trying to be a stand-up comedian. I am a stand-up comedian. And I was like, damn, right? That's when I knew she was serious. So I'm checking around online, creeping on her YouTube a little bit. She's doing her thing, right? Next thing I know, she's opening up for Jay Leno. You open (laughs) up for Jay Leno, right? Yeah. All right, can we please, wow. so now that I gave you this little introduction thing here, right? Yeah. How does this whole thing start? You graduate high school, you go to college, like what's going on? Oh, so I went to Stonehill College, shout out to Catholic school. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> random, just a random school, but it's in Massachusetts. And then I started this LA internship program. I noticed that there was DC internship programs in New York, but there wasn't one in LA. So me and like two, three other students, like kind of uh we're hand selected by like our faculty advisor in communications because we were communications major and we got to come out here a senior year of college and work full-time for class credit and so i worked um at uh focus features which is like a specialty art house film division of nbc universal pictures and i was like on the lot then i learned about the nbc page program and then how you could work on tonight show with jay leno like we're talking 20 10, right? So it was like back when Jay Leno was running the show. And I ultimately 
just fell in love with like being in LA and being like on set and everything. So once I graduated college, like a month later, packed up my little Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible and shipped that bad boy from, uh, from, you know, Boston to LA. And then I just kind of worked in different fields. So it was like, you know, publicity. I did like, I worked for Gautier. Remember that one hit wonder guy, somebody I used to know. Oh, oh yeah, somebody yeah. that I used to know. You for, to yeah, know. I did like his PR and like Lenny Kravitz and uh wow. and uh Yahoo. Wow. Yeah. Atlantis Morissette, like random people. So I worked in like um music publicity and celebrity publicity and then got into the page program, just did all these different things. Like we did a trailer house, like editing, post-production stuff. And then I didn't edit, but I was like an assistant, just doing all these different assistant jobs. And then um my dad suggested I take a stand-up comedy class when I was out here. I think it was like literally 2012. And I was like, that you're crazy. He's like, do it. So I did it, fell in love, hooked immediately. And it's just been like a love affair since where like sometimes are greater than others. But the more I'm in it, the better it gets. But it's like, it's been a fucking journey. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah. the stand-up comedy class you said, right? Yeah, I took a class. It was great. So how does that work? You just, you call them up and say, hey, I want to be a comedian or what happens? So I just Googled it and what kept coming up had the most reviews and it was uh shout out to Jerry Katzman because he's, he's been the most like supportive community building teacher out in LA where, and he's actually from Fall River, Mass, but he moved out here a long time ago and um, had a different way of getting people to like really bear their soul, which was like to be super supportive because as you know, comedy is like pretty cutthroat, but in his class, he taught everyone, like when they got off stage for the first time, everyone in the class had to say what they loved, what they did. And it couldn't be about their material. So it was like, I love the way, I, I love the way he carries himself. I love the way he delivers. I love the way his energy is like ability. And so you end up being in a really nurturing environment and you feel really supported. So I did that, like I did several sessions of that um, until I felt like I could kind of like cut my own teeth. And then I moved to New York city and that's where I really got into it. And then did like eight years in New York city, which is kind of like college for comics. Like you've got to put your time in New York. So when we go on these bachelorette weekends, I'm being forced to keep up with their spending, right? So I show up to the airport for the weekend getaway and I'm sizing up all the girls to see who can I hang with. I'm like, red bottom heels, too rich for my blood. Chanel purse, she only drinks top shelf liquor. Ooh, using a Trader Joe's bag as a carry-on? <laughs> Hello, new best friend. <laughs> oh, just my reflection. <laughs> I'm like exhausting. Wow. I'm like exhausted listening to the shit I've done. I'm like, yet I still feel like there's so much room for me. I still like, I'm like turning a corner, but I still have so much to go, but I'm like, I'm heating up. I'm like, I'm getting to where I want to be, but it's like a, it's like a fucking journey, man. It's like, a, you know yeah, what I mean? And it like, never stops. It seems it never like stops. it just keeps going and going in its experiences. And that's the thing at our high school reunion. When was that? Was that 20, 20, that was it had the 2012 been one. Five, it had to have at least been five years ago. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. a long time and constantly going constantly going so you do the stand-up comedy class well first off before the even the stand-up comedy class you're, you're doing all these awesome things i mean you're living like you're in that scene right so you're doing a yeah. little bit of everything in the, the hollywood scene basically what kind of money is that is that because for for me i'm sitting there going that's the glitz the glamour like she's probably she's in it she's in the scene she's rolling the dough there's like no money in the beginning it's so funny there's nothing like it's the first job I got offered um, full-time permanent position to be 
us to be a junior music publicist for this company in which we were like literally working out of uh Coquette Productions, so Courtney Cox and David Arquette's production office. Wow. Um, so I'd see them all the time. I feel like it was an episode of Friends. Like she literally, Courtney Cox is literally Monica from Friends, like the temperament. So we're working out of their office and I was um, working with the senior publicist and we worked on big clients. Like I kind of name dropped a few already, like Lenny Kravitz, The Wombats, uh, um, Lance Morissette, random ass people, um, Gautier, Mass, Yahoo, anyways. So, but they offered me $25,000 a year. Oh, wow. And I got them up to 32K and this was 2011. And then I left that job to go work for the head of music licensing and supervision for NBC Universal. So she's the woman in charge of um, doing all music supervision. So it was kind of badass. She literally had like Steven Tyler walk in her office playing a ukulele, trying to get a placement on the Olympic, on the Olympics promo. Like, mm-hmm. Cause these people would come into our office and wine and dine our department so that they could get placed in these like really heavy hitting hit shows, like the office parks and rec, uh, you name it, like the Mindy project. And then also like ads, like the Olympics and things like that. And so, um, went over to that. And I think that was around like 45, 50 K. Oh, no, no. So no, that, no, I went from like 32 K to like 35 K, but the big jump was going from, um, going from LA to New York, I worked, I got a job in comedy development, working at IFC TV, which is, uh, the home of like Portlandia, uh, documentary now comedy, bang, bang, uh, Marin. And so I did a big jump from like 35 to 55 K. And then from there moved up to like, um, much better, like, you know, to much better standings. Cause I've been with that company now for like eight years. So I'm able to like, really keep, keep growing. So, so you're still there now. Yeah. So AMC networks. Um, wow. yeah, but so wow. here's, a, so the funny thing is there's not a lot of money in the beginning, especially the assistant level, but then the VPs, SVPs, EVPs, presidents of the network, tons of money, like stupid okay. amounts of money. It's like, if I knew early on, I'm like, I didn't want to go for money. I'm going to go for what I love and just hope and pray that the money will just be there. And it luckily was for me because I stayed tried and true. I kept, I kept going and, um, kept growing with the company. And then I saw like, if you stuck with it, there's a ton of money at the end. Like you didn't need to graduate. You just need to start working, literally prove yourself. And I saw the amount of money these executives are making and they come in, come out. Like I was like, damn, that's the life I want. Like these six plus, you know, insane. I was like, there's so much money in TV, but it's all at the top. So you just have to get through the like assistant route, like the shitty grabbing everyone coffee, like just to pay your dues essentially. And then you get taken care of. I think like I lucked out, I feel like. That's your full-time gig. And then you get the comedy thing. Now, since we're just already on the topic, yeah. I'm not going to try to dig into your pockets too much here, but let's just say you gave up the fancy gig you got right now and you went yeah. full bowl comedy with where you're at right now. Do you think it's possible to live like in New York and re- like when I see these comedy, when I see these comedians, is it safe to say all of them have a full-time job or is there somebody that I haven't really heard of too much, but it's like big on the circuit that can really, you know, have a yearly salary and, and, and sustain their income just being comedians. I think it depends on your cost of living and like what you want. Like I got used to uh, a nice stable paycheck that I kept seeing grow. So I was like, oh, I love to take Ubers to order out. And that was, I wanted to get my hair done. I wanted to buy nice clothes. So I always kept a, a nice 
paycheck, but there were, I had friends, of course, that are like, I'm fine and happy being a barista, being a dog walker, being an Uber Eats delivery driver. So it's not necessarily like, can you make it? Like you could make it just off that, but, but actually most comics, unless you're like really at a super great level are having, they have multiple streams of revenue. They can't just rely on their standup money. Most of them have side hustles. Um, there's probably like a list of maybe 200 people I'd say in the country that I think are making like just from touring alone, I'd say like six figures, six figures to seven to like seven figures. I think there's only like a handful of comics that are really making that kind of money. And, you know, a lot of them are well-known or household names and, you know, COVID fucked up a lot of people because yeah. they see that like a lot of clubs shut down and it kind of put things in perspective. A lot of things happening virtually clubs could come back and say, we're not going to pay comics for a little while until we get on our feet. So it's like you end up doing all this free work. So it's really not a reliable source of income if that's all you're doing. And if you want to have like some sort of semblance of like a savings account or like a real life you can build. And if you want to live in one of those most expensive cities like New York or LA, I don't have like one comedian friend who's only doing comedy unless they're like a trust fund kids. And there yeah. are there, trust me, you get annoyed, but there are those people in this business where you're like, oh, what the hell? Really? Oh yeah. Cause like they have all this time on their hands. They just like own a place and then yeah. just get, cause with standup, you need to have a lot of time to get good. Yeah. So if you are just getting like, if you have tons of money that you don't have to work for and you are creative and you like have the itch, you can put a ton of time and reps in without worrying about juggling a full-time day job. And so you have this advantage and there definitely are a select handful of people doing that um, in New York and LA for sure. Now let's say if you could snap your fingers tomorrow and you're making, you're getting offered the exact same thing to be a comedian versus, you know, full-time versus your full-time job right now, which one would you choose? Oh, hands down comic. It's not yeah. even a question. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Cause you, you're really in it. And you know, you mentioned something, yeah. people are going to your, to your place and they're, they're pitching their, like celebrities are going in there and pitching their ideas. So it's always this hustle in, even with, with the, the comics that are making a lot of money, what I've noticed is they are all hustling. They're, uh, they're going to work their, their, their acts. Right. So like you hear about Dave Chappelle going into the, the comedy store or whatever, like these guys, what, is it possible for me to just show up at the comedy cellar or whatever, one, one of these places at, you know, 1 a.m. and that like Joe Rogan might walk in or like a, a very famous comedian is coming there just to work their act? Totally. All the time it happens. It, I believe Joe's now in like Austin, but um, yeah, I mean, sometimes even if you sign up to the distro list of these clubs, they'll say like special guests tonight or sometimes you can even almost figure it out if like say, you know, like Chris Rock is going to, was doing the Wilbur last weekend. So yeah. I, I don't know, maybe he dropped in. A, I, I feel like I would have found out, but like if a big act is coming through a town, it's safe to say they might hit up the smaller clubs as well to maybe also work on their stuff. If they're doing like a tour at like, or maybe not, but like, yeah, t definitely very common. If you're one of the main cities, New York or LA at a major club, lots of great drop-ins. And that, that's just like their night's work, you know, just come in, do 10, 20 new stuff, whatever, um, collect their check and fucking leave. Or some, some of these clubs in LA though, they weren't even necessarily, or they're, they're paying like Sarah Silverman, like 200 bucks or not even like, like little money for what you think would these people would cost, yeah. but they just don't care. Like a lot of comics, even at the level, like a Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer, uh, Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, they just want, still want the reps. 
even if, even if they're not gonna get the money, they still need to like go to the sweaty gym and work out and try yeah. new stuff and see what works. So that's the, that's what I love about stand up. It's like the truest art form, because even if you get really big, you still need to go put the reps in and you still yeah. get anxious if you haven't been on stage in a while and you can't necessarily get a free pass. Cause you're a celeb. You will for a few minutes. And they're like, okay, where's the jokes body? I paid for this fucking ticket. You know, no, don't they, I've also heard, cause you know, I, I listened to some podcasts and stuff familiar, not, not, not too much in the scene, but no, a little bit. Yeah. They come in, they can bump people, right? Can't yeah, they come in and be lot. like, I'm, I'm so-and-so I'm a pretty good comedian and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going on and I want to go on at seven. Right. That, that, that happens. Yeah. I mean, if you, if someone like Chris Rock or one of these heavy hitters stops by, you're for sure getting bumped. The whole lineup's going to be like fucked up, you know, but it's like, great. You get to see, you know, the comics won't even care because they're like, I just was on stage with so-and-so. I mean, that happened to me early on in LA. I was shared the stage with Sarah Silverman a few times and Louis CK. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm just so happy that you like popped on here. I don't care that I'm going in a few, like, I just can't believe I get to get up there after you. Do they go, do they hang out? I'm, you know what? I I'm just moving back here now. I haven't lived here in 10 years, so I will keep you posted. I don't know that the hang is as it used to be because with COVID, like a lot of like, sadly, like some nights shut down at certain clubs or they like shut down. Like the comedy store has this cool bar that goes all around outside bar, the club. And there's like other bars in the club, but I think what I've heard and when I drive by, it's not like popping like it used to like pre COVID always be packed and bump in. And I think everything shifted with like people get in, get out. There's some hanging, but like, I don't necessarily think Sarah Silverman's going to hang around much. Like it depends on maybe what she has in her schedule or like what she's feeling. If she bumps into a friend, I'm sure she'll stay and have a drink. Like they're super approachable. You can go up and say, Hey, it's not like they're not approachable. It's just that I don't necessarily know how much they want to always hang would it affect your like when you're on stage if you're doing your thing and then you look through the crowd and you're like holy shit dave Chappelle's sitting you know like right there you know would that mess with you or is it like you're hoping for that to happen that's a great question rob i think the old me would fuck with me and now the new confident me and this like past couple years i've really shifted and i don't get as like uh i kind of stay pretty stable now um whether I seem it or not, like before I get on stage, I'm like pretty chill. So I, I think I'd be pumped. I'd be like, great. He's here. Pull yeah. all the A bits. Like, you know, I just, you, that's like what you want. You want someone like that to see you and you want to do really well. So they say, Hey, come on the road with me. Or that just happened to a friend of mine um, at Flappers. Actually, she was just in town from New York. Jocelyn, she is her name. She's hilarious. She's a seller comic. And she did a show at Flappers and Sean, um, Sean Wayne's. You know him, like the Wayne's brothers. The Wayne's like, brothers, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he watched her set, thought she was hilarious, and asked her to open, open wow. for him on the road. So just like that, like one yeah. set can, you know, I don't want to say change your life, but one set can really course correct where your career is going, and it can really like, uh, it can jumpstart you when you get in front of the right people. Last dude I went out with, I met him in a loud nightclub, and I fell for him because I thought he liked cooking. Turns out he said cocaine. So sometimes famous acts come to Boston or New York or whatever, and then they'll just grab somebody, right? Or they'll offer, a, like, how, how does it, how does somebody like you get on that stage? Because you're going to be at the Wilbur, right? Or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, I was last weekend. You it were at was, the Wilbur? Yeah. Oh, that's a big was, deal. Yeah. Oh, thanks. That was super fun. I mean, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was Were you at the Wilbur with? Shows. Um, I was opening for... Uh, Hannah Burner and Paige DeSorbo. They are, 
They're like reality stars from uh, Bravo Summer House is a TV show. And you said and, it was uh, a sold out show? Two sold out shows on a two Saturday night. sold out exactly. shows. What is that like? Stop for a second. Yeah. Let me yeah. but just let's just That's stop. Cool. Let's just calm down for a second. We go from comedy school, right? We're doing our thing. We're having fun, working full time, going yeah. out, doing all of these stand-up gigs and you're still doing it right you're in bill yeah. ricka one night bill ricka massachusetts and the next thing you know you're in la you're all over the place atlanta yeah i did a bunch of little cities recently yeah. yeah so like you're doing all of that and now you know we're meeting we're meeting celebrities we're 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 we're, we're in the scene now and then you <laughs> you open up at the wilbur theater right yeah what is that like it honestly felt like a surreal moment spencer it felt like it felt like, oh, I'm exactly where I need to be and I'm deserving of this. And I want it, I want this to be one of many times. And, you know, it felt so extra special because I knew Chris Rock would be there like four days later. And I knew it was in my hometown. I knew that um I'd have so much exposure with so many great audience members. And I I was just like, cool, this is like this is the trajectory I want to be on. And Taylor Tomlinson, who I look up to, is a great comic based in LA, but she had just did her Netflix special and she filmed at the Wilbur. Um, wow. So that was really special because she's from San Diego, but now here in LA, she's got like a couple of Netflix specials. She's killing it. And she decided to film at the Wilbur. So it was just extra special to have those connections and to feel like I'm sharing the stage that so many legends have been on. And this is like the start of many. And it kind of like, revalidated all the tough times I've had and like gave me that spark to keep going and just like, okay, what else can I accomplish? What's next in the bucket list? So it's kind of like, and now I have more confidence too to open up for more people in that theater. Cause now that I've done it once, it's like, okay, who else is coming through? And a lot of people are coming through. It's like, I'll throw my hat in the ring cause I've already done it. And so how do you do that? Oh, so it's just like all networking essentially. Like you, it's really, it's, it's, this business is all about relationships. So um, it's reaching out, it's emailing, DMing, uh, messaging, word of mouth through friends. Like, hey, I know your friends with so-and-so. How do you connect me? Here's my set from the Wilbur. I'd love to open for her when she's in town. Like it'd be an honor. You know, every big, big headliner has a long list of openers or a short list, depending on what they prefer. So you just, just booking on that list. Doesn't mean you'll get booked, but being on that list is like, where you want to be. Yeah. So like, I'd love to be on Amy Schumer's list and Nikki Glazer's list. Like these are all comics ugh, dream to open for. And you know, you're you bet your bottom ass. I'm going to try like, yeah, for sure. That, and that's course. the point I where I'm at with my life in my career. I'm like, fuck it. I have nothing to lose all to gain yeah. by just asking and putting myself in like, so, and it's kind of like a nice reminder that like, we're all just going to die one day. And so like, why would I live in fear? Like just ask, just like put so, yourself out there. Was that a barrier for you before? When you first started doing this? I mean, I would say like, not specifically, I'd be afraid to ask people. I would say like, generally I'd feel like, oh, I'm too nervous. Or what if I bomb or, but now I don't even have those thoughts. Now I've totally trained my mind and I've gotten enough reps and I have enough confidence in my new material that I'm like, I just, I'm like, I'm not gonna bomb. Like, I'm like, no, no, it's not gonna happen. Like, I just don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. And even if I were not to do well, I wouldn't care. Cause I'm like, oh, what's the next thing? Cause yeah. I just have a better perspective about it. I know it's a... I know I'm never going to stop till I have my own Netflix special. So it's like, I can either make it harder journey for, journey for myself or a more enjoyable one. It's like, why beat myself up along the process? Like just assume it's all going to go great. 
even yeah. if it might not, but just assume, because if I assume, better chances it will go better than if I don't assume. I feel like married people don't remember what it's like to be single. Like, my, I had a friend, and she was like, Janelle, what's taking you so long? Like, I met Ben when I was 26, and he was Mr. Right. I was like, he was Mr. Right next to you at work. You're lazy, Sheila. <laughs> It sounds like you have a very positive uh, vibe around, you know, you have a positive peer group, right? Something Your family's yeah. pretty supportive of this. Yeah. Was there ever, because I mean, your dad's the one that recommended you to go to comedy school. Totally. Was there ever yeah. like, were you ever embarrassed to say like, oh, I'm doing this? Were you ever wondering what people were thinking? Like, does everybody in your family know? Is Are holidays weird when they're like, hey, how was stand up? Or are, yeah. were you comfortable with that? And are you comfortable with that now? No, for sure. There's been so many so many embarrassing moments in my life of <laughs> why did I do that anal joke with my grandparents in the front row? Why did I like, why did I do a masturbation joke? Like I didn't even plan to say this. It just comes out. And I'm like, I get in my head, I feel shame. I'm like, um, it's like, oh, I know I'm better than that, but why did I resort to that? And then I also say, you know what? Who the fuck cares? Like, I'm like, they've heard it all and they still love me and they're going to still love me. But huh. I've definitely had moments of like doubting myself, doubting my message, doubting what I'm doing. But I just give myself lately like compassion and grace. And I go, hey, I just decide I'm going to be a little bit filthy. And whether you're in it or not, that's my vibe. And, but there's been a lot of push and pull with my parents. And, um, they're generally super like supportive now, but there's been times where they weren't or they were disappointed. And like, I've been disappointed in my own self or like, yeah, I've gone to certain family parties and like used to be like, I'm a comic. Like sometimes I do stand up and my sister would be like, you're a comic own it. And yeah. like, I've worked a lot on and owning it. So maybe the time when I said to you, I'm a comic, it's like, it's half of it is truly just owning it and having that perception of like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like if you the more you don't give a fuck, the funnier and better you'll be. So the quicker you can not give a fuck, it's taken me years to not give a fuck and trying so hard. And I generally give so many fucks about so many things. Mm -hmm. And com people think comics are just like, whatever, you got thick skin. Comics are like the most sensitive, emotional, insecure people. But we put on this like persona or we put on this vibe. And like, um, truthfully, we're not, these, we're not these people that just don't care. We care a lot, but we're willing to put that aside and sacrifice caring to see if there's like a greater good to be to be of entertaining or to be yeah. of like cathartic of like, like I like to tell jokes about shit that like people might say that's not ladylike or that's too dark, but I'm like, okay, but how many people are going through what I went through and might feel like soulless hearing that I went through too, or like how many people feel trapped in a box, not knowing yeah. the other things. So I like do try to, I do try to be like a little like uh, subversive or like irreverent because I think I think like, I hate being told, like, I can't tell a blowjob joke or I hate being told by like happy lady. Like, I'm just like, don't fucking tell me. Like, I will be a little defiant. So I think sometimes I push myself to be like extra edgy or things, but uh, also though it just kind of comes naturally to me, but that definitely has caused like friction with certain members in my family or things. But I ultimately, they see my dedication. They see how hard I work and they see that I'm never stopping. They're just like, well, we got to accept it. It is what it is. Like at this point, they're like, she's she's professional about it. And this is just, this is just it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, Nikki Glaser has an entire Netflix special about giving blowjobs. Her dad's in the front row. 
why can't I have a couple blowjob jokes in like a So set? what's the, I mean, when you, when you write jokes, it's not something, I mean, yeah, you can come up and think of stuff in your head real quick, right? But this is an art form, right? We, you know, we practice it, we do that. So this is a joke, I mean, you, you probably wrote down, you practice it in your head, then you say it, and the next thing you know, your family's, your family's pissed off at you? Or were you like in your head going, oh, this is going to piss them off? Or was <laughs> well, it a huge surprise? Truly, I try not to think about them at all. <laughs> and the best kind of comic writes like, like no one in their family is even alive. Like the best comics are just like, this is for me. If they hear it and they're offended, that's their business. But the only way it can be my most authentic best self is by not caring or not thinking that they're going to even hear it. And then sometimes if you do offend someone, you have to like do damage control. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just, I've done a lot of like divorce jokes and, you know, I'm, my parents didn't always love those. I had this joke about when I saw it, when I was three, I walked into my dad in the shower. I have jokes about like, you know, his penis and like, <laughs> he didn't love that, but like, it always gets a laugh. So you know what? The audience is the judge. My mom, 50% Italian, my dad, 50% Irish, which makes them 100% divorced. <laughs> Do you give them a warning? Do you say, hey, I'm going to tell you this joke. I'm going to say this joke tonight. It's really going to piss you off. Um, I, I started to do warnings. I started to tell uh, my mom and my dad, like, hey, I'm doing a dirty set tonight. Don't expect anything clean. Please don't come if it's going to offend you. And please do not tell me any notes after. Like, I'm not open to feedback. Like, you can come if you want to come. No feedback, no notes. Just sit and be quiet and smile. And, <laughs> and don't sit in the front. So, yeah, I definitely coach them now to be like, because I started getting to the point where I said, hey, if this upsets you, don't come. Oh, no, no, we want to come. Okay, then don't tell me anything after because this is what I've been practicing and studying and learning for the past 10 years. No offense, you haven't. So yeah. it's like, let the, let the, like... It's like that Brene Brown quote of like, if you're not in the arena with like blood and sweat and dirt on your face, I don't want to hear your feedback from the fucking peanut gallery. Don't tell me what I should be saying or doing if you're not in the fucking arena. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. It's like, yeah. I will listen to advice from someone I respect that like gets the craft that's in the craft. Not to say I won't listen to advice from friends, but I think as like a nice rule of thumb, like if people are going to just randomly give like a comic unsolicited feedback, they should say, Hey, I have a few ideas or tags or notes for you. Are you open to hearing them versus just being like, here's this thing you should do or change that. It's like, no one realizes how much work goes into every single little thing. And they just kind of diminish the art of it or the study or practice of it by just being like, do this. It's like, I don't go tell you how to do your fucking taxes, Mr. Accountant, or I don't tell you how to paint or like how to cook if someone's a chef. So it's like so funny how people and even Julie, like one of my best friends, Julie Evans, at that one of my shows, she's like, you did all these like dark jokes about your ex and you and almost too much darkness about, you know, the emotional abuse part. And I was like, okay. And meanwhile, I'm like, I didn't ask her for her opinion, but okay. And because you feel really vulnerable and exposed when you get off stage. Even yeah, geez, Julie, get the hell out of here. No, but then Come the on, next Julie. <laughs> no, but it was Shout so out to Julie. It was so sweet. I know. It was so sweet. Cause then the next day, though, she apologized and was like, you know what? Jay, I totally forgot that like everyone takes comedy different. Any, everyone um, receives comedy differently. And my coworker who came to the show said that she felt it was meant to be in the, being in the audience of your set because she also broke up with a narcissist and was so healed and felt your material was so resonating with her. Wow. And she's like, I'm sorry I said anything. And I'm like, see, and I'm like, that's, that's like so funny. It's so subjective, but sometimes yeah. people think there's like one way to do it. 
And it's also painful working on new stuff because you have to do it in front of people. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm, I'm going on a tangent, so I'm sorry no, if I'm talking too much. I'm just, it's exciting, you know, like, it's cool you guys care this much about it. Yeah. I love this stuff. Love <laughs> this stuff. It's so interesting. So I, I was curious, just like being a comedian, right? Statistically, you have to bomb occasionally, right? You have, oh. to, you have to throw something out there. You're like, this is fucking hilarious at home. You get there. It's like crickets. So I'm just so curious, like, what the, what does that feel like? I don't want to bring up any like bad feelings, <laughs> but like, I just can't imagine being in that situation. Like they say, like public speaking, like some people would rather die than speak in public. So to try to be funny in public and it not go well, like, what is that like? Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, Rob, you were being so generous and kind by saying occasionally like in order to make it in this industry that's the first thing you have to get get used to right away to be comfortable fucking eating shit bombing 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 bomb. all you do is bomb for the first yeah. time you just bomb bomb i mean you just bomb for a long ass time until you just don't and then sometimes you still do bomb in front of different people different vibes like of course you bomb all the time you just get desensitized to it or you just go you kind of go, huh, is that on me or is that on them? And you look to see how the other comps are, perform- are are doing. You look to see, like, are they tight? Do they get warmed up by the hose? Is this, like, are the lights too bright? Is this, like, a 6 p.m. show and no one's drinking? There's so many factors at play. Um, it feels awful at first. You're like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm so, <laughs> yeah. I'm so <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. And then, but I guess it's, like, truly such a drug because when you do well and then of course you do end up doing better and better the longer you stay in it um that outweighs all the nights of bombing so you end up going fuck it i can put up with some scrapes and bruises to have these great nights of like oh, riding that wave yeah okay. but it's such a thing that high you know like, I'm, gonna the lights. I'm so fuck annoyed by the lighting in here <laughs> she's, we'll fix it she's great most. she's great yeah. I'm, wow. so, I'm, so, I'm so Hollywood. I'm like, what's happening? Well, like Lighting. This. You moved a frame and changed the light. I know. I just like, I'm a marketer and producer in mind. And I'm like, this is yeah. fucking yeah. And I feel better. Not so like washed out. Good. It's Yeah. Make you feel good. Do what you gotta do. So when you met, let's say, you know, you bomb, it's horrible. What happens? Do you walk Not off it. the stage? When? Uh, when, when? Do you, walk, do you walk off the stage and just give the next comment? You'll just give a head nod or something? Or like, is there any acknowledgement that like, like tough crowd yeah Yeah, I think look I think the more composed and cool you can be and just brush it off and know and know that that's just one set of your life and there's going to be a million more I mean I got this great piece of advice I think it was from Ian Bag. he's a great comic in LA um he's so amazingly known for like his crowd work and things and check him out he's really funny and he said to me one time he said the second a set's over, erase it from your mind. Next. What's always looking for? What's next? Like, don't even waste a millisecond going, why did I do this? Why did I do that? Unless you want to go back and study your set. If you filmed it or audio recorded it with, which I always do. I always audio record. Um, most comics will try to do that to learn. But if you're going into it to beat yourself up, it's just a losing battle. Totally. And it's, I feel like it really messes with your mind because sometimes, I mean, you're practicing the same routine. You don't just, again, this takes time to create, you know, a half, a 15 minute, 20 minute, half hour kind of show. So you're trying the same old stuff. You're doing the same routine just in different places. And sometimes it's like an amazing, everybody starts dying laughing. And then other times it's just silence, right? 
Yeah, true. I mean, it's, it's sometimes so mind boggling why a joke will work in one room and it won't in the other. And um, that's why it's helpful to record though, because sometimes you don't even know you might deliver a line with like a wing or like a little smirk and smile. And other times you might do it straight or deadpan. And you'd be so shocked to see like the small nuance of um, the formula of like the words you say, the cadence, the delivery, the facial re- reactions, like all that plays into like how big a laugh you'll get. Okay. So you just fine tune those jokes. like kind Yeah, of- it's just tweak, tweak, tweak. It's kind of yeah. like, um, you know, almost like a mathematical equation sort of, and also sort of like, a sport, if you will, like if you were to watch, like an athlete were to watch themselves, oh, I dribbled it that way. Then I did that. It's like, you might've grabbed, like I, I have a joke that always crushes, but I did a festival where it didn't really hit. Like it usually does. And I watched the set with my manager and he was like, well, see how you grabbed, see how you were putting the mic away in the middle of that joke. Mm -hmm. So it's like as simple as like doing the joke that I end on while like preparing to like leave the stage, like threw off the like cadence of how I normally just stand there and deliver it. And so something as silly as that, it's just, it could be kind of maddening sometimes, but I think you have to just constantly look forward. And that's something Rob will never understand because he's not a comedian like myself. I can't do it. But it's fun though. I've told, I've told a joke or I've made like five people laugh at once. So I can't imagine what it's like. And oh. that feels good to me. I know. Like, well, like, I was going to say, I was going to say, you guys are always the funny people in school. Like I always wanted to make you guys laugh. Like I feel like uh-huh. you guys are the class clowns. And so I think everyone is, you know, everyone's funny in their own way. It's just like who works on it as a living, who right. pushes it. Like if you, I, I wish everyone tried stand up at least once because I know you guys would be killer comics, but it's not necessarily about talent or naturally comedic ability. It's like, do you have grit? Do you have perseverance? Do you have confidence? Do you have thick skin? Which I have all of those things. And Rob, as you know, he has virtually nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, where'd you go? Better. Oh my God, I got a better lighting situation. Wow. Rob, can we edit this in post? I think we, we keep all these moments in. I want to edit this in post. No, I just like saying okay. that. We're going to edit it. Oh, much post. better. Oh, great lighting. Oh, so much so wait, better. So I have a question. So you've cut <laughs> your teeth, right? You've worked in New York. You've done a lot in on the West Coast. Now, like, do you feel like, like, I just picture like New York people like being like, get the fuck out of here, you know, like where everyone on the West Coast is just eating their avocado toast or whatever the fuck. So like, do you feel like you have a preference or, or are there things you like? you know, West coast, East coast, you know, yeah, I mean, definitely a difference, right. Yeah. You know, sort of like totally. I, yeah, absolutely. Rob, you're right. Because comics in New York are typically like the be called the comics comics. So like they are in it to win it as a comedian, as a standup and they are really sharp, really quick. And not to say LA comedians aren't, but in LA you'll have a lot of actors and actresses that were like, encouraged by their agents or managers to go try stand-up and so they're not necessarily the same um tight like like comic comic they're more like experiential or like storytelling and like yeah i think in la the audiences are a little bit more like okay we'll sit back and be patient and go go on the story with you go on this tangent whereas new york is like let's fucking go like Yeah. yeah like there's definitely a more urgency and there's definitely like harder crowds but um 
that's why I like having done both scenes to see, um, cause I think LA has its own benefits where if you want to try to like trans translate your stand-up act to like trying to get book comedic roles on TV or film, this is a good place to be, yeah. but for sure there's like more intense audience members. And I think less patience in New York to stick around for like punchlines. It's kind of like, let's fucking go. Where's the funny in yeah. LA. Oh, more relaxed, more hippie dippy. So you will get more of the comic comic in New York that's more intense and hardcore. Also, if they're in New York, they're trying to get like mostly like on SNL or like on late night or like in a writer's room. But if you're in LA, you might just do stand up because like I said, someone on your team recommended you try it just to be more well-rounded for different auditions. Mm. It doesn't mean that like your dream is to be a comedian. I'm newly single, right? But none of my friends can hang. They're all settled down and wifed up. My friend Sarah's like, Janelle, I can't go out. I have to breastfeed my baby. My husband's in a mood. I'm like, just come out. I'll suck your tit and fuck your husband. Can I get spicy for a second? Please. Can I get spicy? I live in a spice. You see that young lady right there? Who's that? Your That's wife. Davian. No, my old. <laughs> oh. Who's Davian? Davian who? Davian. Davian who? Huh. Listen, episode eight of episode eight of, yeah episode eight of reality tonic okay, let me look this up. so wait let me let me get spicy for a second so i'm talking about davian okay she told me in the wrestling circuit okay it's kind of like the olympics or at least she confirmed it when i asked her it's kind of like the olympics where everybody's hooking up with each other right wrestler is doing it now in the comedian world right is ever is there like um everybody kind of doing their thing or what, what's happening <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking, I mean, I personally don't really hook up with like any comics really like, um, because I sort of learned early on, like don't shit where you eat. And so as much as it's tempting to hook up with someone that gets your lifestyle and has the same schedule as you and you're hanging out with all the time, it's like tricky. Cause if it does go south, it's like, you're stuck with like your coworker, like at shows. And like, I did date a comp. <laughs> I dated a comic in New York for like almost four years. He was lovely. But when we broke up, it was kind of tricky because, you know, I didn't want to go to the same shows as him and we didn't want to intersect to different mics and stuff. So he's like the only comic I really ever dated um, and hooked up with. And I didn't really do anything with anyone else. But yeah, there definitely are people in the industry that really only date comedians or who only date outside. Sometimes you find people that are like, I can only date someone that gets my lifestyle or they're like, fuck it, I want to date anyone that's not a comic. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. there's that saying of like, just have one headshot per family. Like you don't want right. to be competing with either. Because like sometimes that happens as well, where like, I feel like a little bit of that with me and my ex, where I'd be like, oh, you got on that show? Why am I getting that show? Or yeah. like, you know, it was, you know, it's hard to not feel like, um, you know, like a little sibling rivalry sort of, but like in the dating world of like well why did you get that but I didn't so sometimes I think it's nice to date someone that like isn't in the industry and that just like wants to support you but um yeah this is a two-part question so the first part is there peer pressure or is there pressure even not even amongst your peers just like with anybody that you need to be funny the second they find out you're a comedian. Oh, this is Janelle. She does this. She does that. She's also a stand-up comedian. Right away, are they like, hey, make me laugh? Do they have that kind of attitude? Or yeah, what's your experience yeah. with that? It's just, it's truly exhausting. I've got, if I had like a dollar every time someone told me that, I'd have like a million dollars. Um, you know, it's just, 
I think I used to get more upset about it in the beginning. I kind of shrug it off now. Like, well, you know, I'm not always working. I'm not always on like, or I'll retort. Like, are you, are you paying me? Like, can, can you pay right. me for this job? You know, I, I've like set a rate for myself where I, I help people write, or I do write like custom sets for people. Like I'm going to put money on my time. And even though it sounds like a frivolous thing to get paid for, like, I've had guys in dating apps be like, really? You're just going to say, Hey, where's like that funny one-liner. And I'm like, you think I have the time or the interest to write custom one-liners to doofuses I haven't met on an app. Like you're out of your fucking mind. I'm working two full-time jobs. I'm trying to fuck. I'm trying to find love. I'm not trying to make you laugh. Like yeah, Yeah, dating as a female comic can be hard because guys will be like, I'm afraid you're going to put me in your act. Really? I'm afraid you're going to put me in your trunk. (laughs) These, they just think that they, and then a lot of them I'll either unmatch or I'll go through and explain why it's like offensive. And they'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about it from that perspective. And like, some guys are cool. will say like, every guy says one of two things. They'll either say, tell me something funny or roast me, or they'll say, <laughs> yeah, they want to be roasted. Or they'll say, <laughs> and like the best roasting is to just like unmatch them. All right. You'll be roasted. Bye. Like, you never. Yeah, hey, you're awesome. hot. Roast me. But also also sometimes it feels nice to like, if I'm generous or if I feel like they have more to them, like more sustenance or substance than like what I think they have, I'll be like, yo, not a cool look or not a cool thing to say to someone. Here's why. And they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Thank you for not unmatching me. Or the guys will say like, how many guys ask you to tell them a joke right away? Like every guy asks me that. I'm like, oh, like 99% of guys immediately ask me to tell them a joke. Or like, they'll say, I bet you can't make me laugh or make me laugh. Or like, it's like, it's cute. I just don't, or they'll be like, are you on here? They'll be like, are you on here to get material? I'm like, no, I, I don't need your fucking help. Like, I feel like sometimes the male ego is so easily bruised that they think they're going to give me the best bit of their life or that I'm going to, it's going to change my career. Or they, again, they think they, it's like the only industry where people think they're an expert at what you do. Mm-hmm. And no one's fucking ever tried it really in the sense that you do as a professional and guys get real fucking high horse, but I bet I could do. Okay. Yeah, sure. You could, but have you? No. Talk to me when you do fucking pussy. Like I just, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Sorry. But I also, just get, I get off on it. Clearly it's like, oh, yeah. no, that's great. That's great. We put the gloves Wait. on here, folks. <laughs> what about, we, so the, I have another one. Hecklers, right? That's a thing. And fuck them. Right. Yeah. Like, what When's the last time that happened? Or, or yeah, have, what is like the worst heckling experience? You know, I don't even remember because I don't hold on to it. I yeah. think I've definitely had bad ones. I feel like you kind of, honestly, I bet you most comics can't remember. You like repress it or block it out and you just move truck forward, yeah. truck on. The best way to shut down a heckler is to like, um, is to say something like if they're like boo or get off. I mean, no one even has ever said that to me, but if they're like, if they're just giving you shit, they yell at something that doesn't sound complimentary and you can be like, Oh, Hey, Hey dad, didn't know you were here. Or like, yeah, <laughs> just like roll it into a joke. I did get this woman back kind of good at um, Portsmouth. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. but Portsmouth really- out of everywhere in the world. Right. <laughs> she was Crazy. like wasted and i was kind of like i think i just turned it on her being like you need a lot of attention or like put your mouth where put your uh put your mouth to work and go go give your boyfriend a blowjob in the bathroom and let the let the show go on like or like mm. just gave her like shit for having her mouth like yeah like, yeah yeah and i was like oh that really wasn't cool of me but she also like ruined the show um, what's, what's your biggest pet peeve 
with like what pisses off comedians so i went to a comedy show the other day i saw tom segura right the signs everywhere he was amazing awesome and they're walking with these little signs that say please no cell phones please no cell phones right and they're on the seats it's like you know it's right on the ticket what pisses you guys off at comedy shows could it be cell phones talking all that or what is it talking definitely is tough if there's an audience that is there but not like attuned or not engaged listening it's frustrating because it's like well why did you come out if you're not going to pay attention and don't you realize this is like a two-way street the more energy you give me and the more respect and like attention you give me the better I can perform for you it's kind of like a dance so a lot of audience members don't fully get that it's kind of but they'll get drunk They'll, they'll come out with every intent to be a great audience member and then they'll probably get drunk or catch up with a friend or whatever and I think a lot of comics get pissed off when they feel like the audience is sitting there, but they're not into it. It's like, well, then why did you come out? I'm on a TV show. Like I'm a real life person up here. You have to give me something. Um, That's definitely annoying. Another thing that's annoying is like, yeah, having your phones. I had people just middle of my set, just start filming me. And to be honest, I don't even say anything because I'm like, whatever. But I, every once in a while, I guess I'll be like, why are you filming this? Or you know, what do they even do with it? Do they send it to a friend? It's just bizarre. They'll just, they'll just capture you as if they don't, as if you can't see them, just it's like throws you off a little. So I think that like feels a little invasive because sometimes if they go and upload it or post it, you're like, I don't want people because audience members don't get, there's a premise and there's a punchline. If they had a good time laughing at your punchline, they'll be like, Oh, I got to show this to my friend or post it on my story. They capture you when you're doing the setup to the next bit and if we don't hear the laugh and you post it, it's like, well, I don't look like I'm doing my job because you don't know how to capture me killing. Right. So this is your that's, brand. And that's also a weird thing. And also you don't want to burn through your material. You don't want to put all of your great material on social for people to like come out and see out and see you and you'll do the same stuff. I thought when I turned 30, I'd wake up with this newfound sense of confidence and purpose. But what happened is my belly button ring just popped out. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, oh, all right, more room for body shots. <laughs> if you want a fuzzy navel with a lint rim, come over here. How long does it take you to, like, how, what's your long, it, it, could you do a Netflix special tomorrow with the amount of material that you have prepared? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would love the whole thing. Like, it depends on how much, if I just filmed it tomorrow, I guess, um, I don't know if it would be, like, my best version, because I'd want to prepare for it. Um and, so yeah. that's like the pinnacle, right? For a stand-up comedian, is like for me, it is. a Netflix special. That's what I feel like. It's just yeah. That's like maybe it used to be like okay, if you're an HBO or something or on Netflix Jay, is you know, where it's at. David Letterman and Jay Leno, but now it's like yo, you get a Netflix special, like you've arrived. I feel yeah. like it's kind of the vibe. Totally, I think so. But I also think so many comics have their own like expectation of like them breaking or like what they want as their pie in the sky dream. So like. Some might not care about a special as much as they care about like having their own TV show. So um, yeah, I definitely like uh, strive for those things. So I know it's just a matter of time. It's just like, if I were to put together like an hour that I was super proud of that would go on Netflix, I wouldn't say I could confidently film it tomorrow. But how long does it take to have that much material? And when do you know to get rid of it and move on to the next round of bits? Hmm. Yeah, that's a timeline. So there's no like set timeline. It kind of just varies person to person and like what they're trying to accomplish. Like, um, 
you know, I think when you get really sick of saying a certain joke and it no longer brings you joy and you can no longer like spin it a different way and find a fresh perspective on the same premise, time to like retire it. Mm-hmm. But you don't also want to give like any one room too much authority. So if a bit you come up with doesn't hit in one room, don't just get rid of it. If you're really excited about it, try it that, you know, maybe uh, half a dozen more shows and see how it does. Run it by a friend, see if they have an idea for you, kind of figure out why is it not working. Um, so I think there's like no set timeline. It's just kind of like figuring out, um, you know, what's important for you and like how comfortable are you at what you want to talk about. And- so when I, I'm a big, let's say I see you, I'm at, I see you at Broadway comedy because that's where I've been before, right? What's it called? Broadway? Comedy club, yeah. Broadway comedy club. I see you on a Friday night. I'm like, she's she's killing it. I want to see her again, right? And then I go back to Massachusetts, and then I look. I'm like, holy shit, she's coming to Bill Ricca, right? Yeah. Do I hear the same jokes? Like, if I go see Tom Segura last Saturday, if I go see him again on his same tour, chances are it's the same exact jokes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'll probably tweak the opening to, like, depending on the market he's in, you know, if he's in Texas, maybe like a Texas joke, like definitely they pepper in original riffs and things that might've happened to them that day or on tour, things that remind them of, oh, I had this great riff about Florida. I'll do this here, but I won't do it in Maine. So it's like, you for sure aren't gonna have the exact same set, but a lot of the, like the bones of the set, like the yeah. structure is gonna be the same. Like, cause it, that's another thing people don't get is they'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna be a brand new set of 10. It's like, right. well, probably not because you know how hard it is to, um, you know, and it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're trying to get a really good tape um, and you have like a deadline, like I need to submit to this festival or to this competition or something, you just care about getting a great set. So you probably will run the same 10 minute set from Broadway to Borica to so-and-so if you have like a month or less to get a set because getting a good set is so hard. You have to have the equipment. It can't die. It can't run out of space. You have to have the audience laughter. You can't be heckled. You have to have good lighting, good audio. It's like a million things have to go right. And so you might just not give a fuck about repeat jokes as much as you give a fuck about advancing your career to get to that open door by having that set. But if you're like, I've got a great set. I've gone to the special laugh house. I'm trying new shit you might have two completely different sets from Barica to, to New York. It matters. There's no set rhyme or reason for any one comic. It matters like, what are your goals? What's on your itinerary? What are you trying to accomplish? How comfortable are you? Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. The set you saw me at, I was the least comfortable in. I was, I had a good time and I loved seeing you guys there, but when I do shows where like everyone I know, I don't feel as free to really let loose and get to my best version of like my loose riffing self. You weren't letting loose there? <laughs> I mean, I was oh. in a sense, but like, I really felt I held myself went. back. Yeah. I kind of feel like I held wow. myself back. Like what's funny, Spencer is like, if you guys were to see me at this brewery show I did that was 60 people packed a week later, same set I fucking crushed. I think because one shows in front of my like whole family and friends and I get in my own head, whether you could tell or not, I might be insecure, but the next set I'll do the same, the next show I'll do the same set and it might hit way harder because none of them know me and they can laugh at a blue joke or they can laugh at something they've never heard before. So it's like, definitely the audience does play into your confidence level, your delivery, how comfortable you are. Um, and I have, I'm excited. Like I am officially moving back here to LA next month. And I am excited to have that space between my family and me 
to start exploring like more of my like uh, no one I know is in the audience. Like the best way to perform as a comic is I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. No one I know is in the audience. I'm going to say whatever makes me laugh, whatever feels true to me. And that's the best place to be creating and performing in. But it is so hard to get to that place. It's really hard being a comedian therapy because you have a captive audience. I'm like, should I try to work on myself or should I try to get laughs? <laughs> like whenever I leave, I look at everyone in the waiting room and I'm like, good luck following that. <laughs> I'll be back next week. <laughs> it's a scene that if you're into it, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there because like I mentioned before, it's an art, it's a whole thing. This is material, you know, listen to Joe Rogan a little bit with like the Carlos Mencia stuff with the stealing of the jokes. Like mm. that's a huge thing. Has anybody ever stolen one of your jokes or you're sitting there and you're going, holy shit, that's a little too similar to mine. So definitely I have had similar paths of like, oh, collective consciousness or whatever but I don't necessarily go oh they stole it I don't want to assume like I always try to assume positive intent so I'll be like oh I mean they have a joke about scoliosis so do I like a lot of girls have scoliosis like sometimes it's just like Can you, oh, I know listen she has the funniest <laughs> joke about scoliosis and I'm not trying to get her to say it but Rob you <laughs> I'll have to see it sometime. Oh, I'll have to yeah. go to your show. I'll send you, I can send you. Yeah, I just. It's upload. funny, dude. It's, fun. <laughs> it's Actually, funny. I could send you, Rob. Like, I did just upload a set recently, like yesterday. That we'll I'm play really it on the thing. We'll play it on the thing. Okay, yeah, so, like, when fun. I say that, we'll play it on the we'll thing. Oh, if that's okay fun. with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and, I had scoliosis as a kid. I guess I shouldn't have prayed for curves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My backbone's literally a question mark, so it's amazing I didn't end up with a career in politics. <laughs> I feel like when God made me, he was like a cocky dad assembling Ikea furniture, just like, I don't need the instructions. I've seen a girl before. <laughs> this is the Italian model. She's supposed to be crooked. <laughs> Anyways, so that's awesome. Wait, I um, was curious. I had a curious question. Sure. When you... Were, when you <laughs> When you were sure, go ahead. Sure, go ahead. You see my cat back here, by the, the way? Beans. Oh, kitty, kitty. No, that's a green screen. All that's fake, Janelle. It's all fake back here. That's a <laughs> shitty green screen. I know. So wait. If it was a green screen, you at least have the Eiffel Tower or something. No. Just a bunch it's of the, cactus. No, I love it. You look like it's a cozy place to see cats, see plants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, wait, time out. Do you know the Reverend Bob Levy? What? Do you the know, do you know a, the Reverend Bob Levy? Comic. He's a stand-up comedian. He's been in the scene for a long, long time. Very dirty, dirty, dirty stand-up guy. Nasty man. Eats blue cheese off a of girl's butts. You haven't heard of this guy? No. He was on Howard Stern for years and everything. Again, you haven't listened to the darn podcast. Okay. But he was on here. Oh, when, that's exciting. Good for you guys. Yes. Yeah, so when you do, because he was on the Howard Stern show, Big Stud. Okay. Yeah. When you do these dirty jokes, somewhat dirty jokes, do you feel that people in the audience are judging judging you or like 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 the females in there or even other female comics or I mean because I mean it's edgy right but then I'm thinking yeah. to myself because I'm sitting next to my wife I'm listening to you I'm like it's edgy but then I'm like if I heard a guy saying this stuff would it be that edgy like is it weird for you as a female to be seen saying these things and having people internally judge you without you noticing but you have a yeah right? i oh i love that you picked up on that spencer i hope that it doesn't i hope it like over time isn't as weird to hear woman be blue as it is you know um now because it is frustrating like uh 
it's frustrating sometimes you'll do a show and a couple other female comics will get it will understand it as well and they'll also figure it out where it's happened where like one guy will go up there and be completely filthy and people are like standing ovation and you do same level of filth but like with different angles or that and it's like speculation or and it comes back to what i said about how i try to um put the lady like on its head and i just don't i want to beat it down till it's like oh that's just her brand that's her vibe like it's funny it's smart let's let's challenge ourselves to see that that is like a great joke and and why are we why are we not laughing as hard as we would if it's like this big dude that came up and told it and i think that's the feminist in me i think it's fucked up that we have like different standards i think it's fucked up that off the bat go on stage and immediately everyone's like, hmm, would I fuck her? Would she fuck her? Like, yeah. it is, they just take you in. They objectify you. They yeah. objectify you off the piece bat. Piece of meat. Yeah. You're a piece of meat. Whereas yeah. a guy gets up there and it's a lot easier. Yeah, for lot sure. Easier. So it's definitely frustrating. But, you know, I just don't think about it as much as I used to. I used to think about it a lot. And now I just, I don't care. I just, yeah. I stay, I stay with it. I stay like confident with it. And I get the last by staying confident. And I, don't give a fuck if someone's judging me. Like, I just don't, I can't, I cannot give any fucks. Well, of course I do, but I just strive not to. Are and there like, creepy comedians? Creepy guys? Well, yeah, creepy people. I mean, I have so many creepers sliding to my DMs being like, I could help you squirt. I'm like, that's not the point. It was a fucking joke. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm out. saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because Rob, these jokes that she's saying, like yeah, she talks about raunchy, everything. You know, someone right? might say like, oh, I, I got a blow job one time, you know, like, or whatever. Yeah, know? or like, let me help you with that. I'll give you two shots if you give me a blow job. I'm like, that's not the point. I just ignore or like. How I often just, does that happen? A lot, a lot. So Davian. Wow. Davian, okay, yeah. the chaotic wrestling world champion yeah. of 2021. <laughs> Love she it. Told me she has fans over. <laughs> I'm serious. She has the fans overseas and stuff like that. Yeah. That like are obsessed with her. That do the same thing. Like, I mean, I'll they buy her you. merchandise and stuff, but they mail her stuff. They know her address. They say like dirty things. Yeah, I can't believe people actually do that. It's gross. I, I have- mean, like you know, I can, but like, just it's so random. <laughs> It's so, it's such a bummer too. I do this uh, serious XM show a lot um, called the Ron Bennington show. It's on raw dog comedy. And which I, which is awesome, by the way, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's so fun. But I always get like really supportive, loyal fans that are just cool and like, like my comedy and get the hustle. And then I also get a whole slew of creepers. Like I sometimes will do a show and someone will just show up and they're like, Oh, I, I saw it on your thing. And um, some are nice and some aren't and some are more like weird about it. And so I just try to take it in stride and try to take it. Um, I try not to like get too attached to it, but like, I didn't realize how fucked up it was. So I told my sister, like one guy was, you know, many different people have said shit like, Oh, would you sell me your panties or this or that? Or like, and my sister's like, that's really fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> like, I just ignore it, but I don't, she was like, they need to respect you for the art, for the craft, for like the poetic license to like the creative license to be able to say what you want and not be that person. Like, why do they think they can disrespect you in that way? I'm like, I don't know, but these people, I have had to block so many different people. I've had to say, wow. I've had to say you're being, you're, I have, I've had to literally be like, um, if you keep crossing this line, I'm going to have to like block you. And then sometimes they like, well, I'm sorry. Okay. You're right. But you're just so hot. I can't, it's the weirdest shit. I'm like, you're I've never a stand-up made. comedian. They come you're in my shows like- and expect I'm going to go on a date with them. Like I've had this, I've had people I've never met buy tickets to shows, show up in San Diego, show up in Maine, show up in New York. And they're just there because they've see, they've heard me on the radio or they've seen my shit randomly. And they expect that I'm just going to like let loose and have a drink with them. And I'm like, and I'm really professional. I'm like, thanks for coming. Good to meet you. Gotta go. Bye. And they'll like DM me. What are you doing? And I'm like, 
busy. I'm busy. I'm not going to, I'm not that girl. I'm not this loose, crazy girl you see on stage. I'm a fucking professional who wants to establish and is establishing a fan base, but I have boundaries and I'm not, you can just like, it's never the hot ones. It's never the hot ones that slide in your DMs. It's like always like, oh girl, I'll take you on day. I'll take care of you. Whenever you're like, so many guys are like, come so to Texas. Sexy. How it's, do they think Come to Texas. Work? Yeah. It's fucked up, dude. It's so fucked up. But I also feel like some are lonely or some hear me on the radio and I do get pretty vulgar on that show. It's raw dog. And like, I just literally, I always roast the producer. It's like this gag we've had for years, right? Give them shit. And like, um, we do get in like sexual jokes a lot, but I don't expect you to then shoot me your yeah. own. People think you're at a party. Yeah. Or yeah. Or tell me that, that you do anything to like, to, 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 I don't know. They just say the weirdest shit. It's like kind of sad, but also I'm like, well, your life is sad. So I'm just going to hold on to my pride and just like detach you from my, my frontal lobe. Like you're not even worth my time. I just that sounds so, no, but I just think it's, it's so, so weird bizarre. because there's, there's, at, there's places for those things that people want. I'm assuming, right? Like if I want, if I'm weird for like, there's places to go. I'm assuming. Yeah. Why do you have to like, you know, you see a girl on stage, a stand-up comedian, you're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to solicit these things. It's so random, right? I think, I, well, I think same. it has to do with my act though. Like I am, yeah. I have a sexual act, but yeah. just because I have, it's like, okay, if I had a car and I had a car and I got um, hijacked, would I be like, oh, but it's my fault because I had a car. It's like, I'm allowed and empowered to have sexual jokes about my body and about how my body works. Doesn't mean you can come and like, treat me disrespectfully or be entitled or feel entitled to, to wish me things or request things from me. It's like, grow the fuck up, you know? But I yeah. think some of them just want the conquest of, oh, I got her on stage to like, come give me the time of day. Or maybe they think they can connect with me or maybe they think they do know me, but really they don't know me at all. They just know a version of me on stage. Um, it's like a small, small, tiny bit of what I can only imagine. It's like when you have like a shit ton of followers and it happens all the time. Like I can only imagine people project a lot of stuff on you thinking they know you. So weird. It's so weird. And it kind of is a bummer because um, I think like, I wish people could just be cool. You know, like why do they have to go these creepy places? But I think it's like a fan a too. It, it sucks. Cause it's like, I mean, it's I had one guy constantly. Yeah. I had one guy constantly asked me if I'd like grab a drink with him. And I'm like, well, I'm not looking for anything romantic. He's like, well, me neither. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I've never met him before, but he just will come to shows and not even introduce himself. He'll just be like, oh, I was at that show. I'm like, well, why didn't you come say hi? Why are you just this random person telling me you were at a show, but didn't say hello. And then always ask me about the next show and when we can get a drink, but then you're not like vending room. And I'm like, it's just, people are really weird and confusing. And he'll probably listen to this. He'll probably fucking listen to this and be like, hey, I have these people that just keep resurfacing. And I try to give them kind but boundary filled um, like readings like I don't want to be a dick I try to be responsive when it feels like they're not being a total asshole but like sometimes I'll be like yo I'm gonna block you if you don't start being more respectful or some guys will be okay tell me if I cross the line like you've crossed the line but these (laughs) people I've never met before they'll just like find a hashtag or be like I saw you on Instagram or so-and-so posted about you or I was at that show or but it's like Yeah, what a weird thing to manage, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, I actually had to stop like, I I'm actually almost at 5000 Facebook friends, I had to stop even looking at them because I'm gonna have to be able to stop accepting them because at 5000, you you, you can't have any more and hundreds and thousands, I don't thousands of them, I don't even know who they are. They're wow. 
So That's weird. Cool. So weird. But it's really, really, really cool to know that like you have a like what's that like does that feel cool knowing that you have a fan base though like a positive fan base yeah. you know set aside yeah. all, the, all the garbage we're yeah. doing yeah. this we're doing this thing you know we're, we're growing it's just really cool to see like i mean three months ago we had zero right so it's just like yeah. even though they're cute little numbers is that really cool for you to like watch really? this grow into the thing and it's so cool to see you guys just going after your gut and being like this is what we enjoy doing and you're so passionate and like that is so clear and transparent to the viewer and listener that I think that's why you're doing well. Right. So I, I'd love to say, I feel the same with my own growth. Like it, for all the batch I just said, there's so many good experiences of someone saying, um, I think, Oh, it was so cool. I was, um, this great guy I'm blanking on his name, but he had saw me do one show and he brought a bunch of friends to see me do like the Boston comedy festival in Somerville and said, uh, I was walking to the club and he was like, oh, Janelle. And I was like, oh, hey. He's like, we're here to see you, actually. I saw you, like, two months ago at the City Winery. And, now and I'm like, oh, my God, how sick. And like, because I just posted it on Facebook. So there's, like, and he's super respectful and kind. Or what I love most is when, like, young women are like, you spoke to me. Like, I can't wait to follow you and support you. And, and like, I really love getting through to people, whether they're so similar to me or so different from me. Um, that brings me the most joy and like seeing those numbers go up and seeing people share my work is like the greatest gift. Oh, I'll, I'll I, never get sick of that. So I'll I do love attention. Right. Like I do too. I mean, you must be, let me know. I love it so much. If you I could get away, it, you've always loved it. And you know, like, I'm honestly surprised you didn't go into stand up. Like, me too. You, me too. It's, it's never too late. Shame. It's never too late. Let's Listen. do it. I mean, you're the biggest class clown. You were the biggest, like... like, But it's it's like a drug, in a sense, where... Oh, yeah. And you... To watch people... Like, I can kill it. I was at my uh, brother-in-law's wedding. Yeah. I killed it in front of, like, 11 people, right? Tell (laughs) us a story. My daughter bit the dog. My daughter literally bit my dog. So I just did my thing. I did a little, you know, something sexy. Everybody's laughing, and I'm like, oh, give me that 24-7, baby. You know, yeah, that so feeling of like, yes, I yeah, made not even laugh. not even getting paid just to like, that feels good. Now, imagine if I get paid, I'm a dangerous guy. Okay, <laughs> never too late, Spencer. It's never too late. I mean, I meant, it when I, said, I meant it when I said I like looked up to you in high school because you were so funny, Spencer. Um, so you nice. really were. I mean, Rob, you're funny, too. But, you know, Spencer was the big ham that I oh, just yeah. I wanted to make him laugh and I, I, I accomplished sometimes, sometimes I did it, but I was like, it's funny how some of the funniest people don't even do stand up. You're like, why the fuck don't you do it? You want to know why? Cause I respect it in the sense where I can naturally be funny, but when you go on stage, it is something you have to perform. It's not, I can pick up on a vibe if we're all drinking and we're having a good time. And it's like, we all kind of know each other and stuff like that. Get some insight, but to create a punchline and all of those things, that's really, really, really hard. And yeah. also, Rob, when I was at the show, she's doing her thing and she's just like, all right, I'm going to pull on my phone and, and, and work on some new material for you guys. And she just starts reading <laughs> off the thing and wow. telling jokes and they're funny. Right. But <laughs> you're awesome. always having to work and always having to hustle. And I feel like it's a lot. That's a lifestyle. You're able to balance both things. But that is can you agree that that is a lifestyle if you want to make it a full time thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't be in this lukewarm if you want to be in it. And that's, you know, why I have prioritized this kind of over other things. Like I, you know, I'm single right now. I'm not really on like the 
the, you know, marriage baby house track, but I'm like living my own version of my, of my highest self. And mm-hmm. it's really rewarding, but it's taken me years to realize I'm on my own path. Oh, thanks. That's sweet, Rob. But it's like, Very you know, for a while I'm like, oh shoot, I am 29. I'm 30. I'm 31, 32, 30, oh, 30, no, the eggs, Never. what's happening in the eggs, you know, but it's like, <laughs> you yeah. just, you, I'm just like, you know what, this is my journey and my yeah. career is my baby. And we'll see, I'm not opposed to being a mom, but I also know I, I want to have these things accomplished before I can settle down. So like, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a a hustling, hustling lifestyle. I'm constantly perpetually exhausted and um, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle. That's awesome though. You know, this lifestyle is a grind, but there's also some rewards. Please tell us who is the most famous person you have in your cell phone. Oh yeah. We ask, we ask everybody. We ask everybody. No, that's, Good question. Bill Burr. The famous person I have in my cell phone. Um, like as they're texting, I'm trying to think who. Uh, it doesn't even need to be constant contact, just their number. And then I also want to know constant contact. Oh the most consistent. That's like, a, I honestly don't even know. Um, See, I, I would have an answer. I would say nobody. I don't have anybody yeah, famous. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm truly it. going down the list right now to be like, who do is I? Is Bobby oh. Lee in there? Bobby Lee? Um, no. <laughs> Maybe it's not as as exciting. You know That's what's okay. so, you know what's so funny is like a lot of the correspondences happen like on social, like on Instagram, on okay. Facebook. Um, but oh, I guess I guess Mark Norman's a good one. I text. I have texted him recently. You know Mark Norman, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's that guy. That's I like that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He was fun. I opened for his uh, show in San Diego. uh, And he got big. He opened up for Amy Schumer, right? Yeah, he got, he's hilarious. He's great. Um, You see how all this happens, Rob? No. (laughs) You're not paying attention. I am paying attention. My cat, I can smell cat. This is how we do it. So yeah. you know what I'm going to do now, Janelle? I'm going to go around and tell everybody I know Mark Norman. I'm just going to, yeah, basically. you know. Yeah, we know Mark, yeah. we know Janelle. Five know. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, yeah. You know, oh, hell yeah. No, I'm still going on the list of like, did I miss someone? I'm so curious. Um, I mean, Barry Katz is pretty legit in this world, and he and I text a lot. Um, he was Dane Cook's manager for years wow. and years and, like, discovered, like, Chappelle and uh, wow. Wendy Cummings and okay. stuff. So. He's another big one. He's a big time agent comedy manager here in in Malibu. So we he and I take some good amount. So famous. I know you live in Malibu or yeah, I'm like, yeah, over here in Dunstable. We we're just uh Yeah, Dunstable's great. I mean, that's the thing though. I feel like we all have our own journeys. Like I look at what you guys have and I'm like, damn, like that looks amazing. You know, you have a amazing family. You guys are like, you have this cool podcast, you know, you've got this great friendship that's lasted so many years. Like that is richness. That's wealth. That's fame. Like, that's cool. I think like (laughs) this world is so superficial. You can't get attached to the fame or the celebrityism of it because it'll always disappoint you. Tell me about it (laughs) because I am a celebrity. Yeah, you are. You guys are celebs. I mean, this is blowing the fuck up. But what's your situation, Rob? Who are you dating? Are you married to? What's your vibe? I'm married, but I live in Boston with my girlfriend, Amy. Yeah. She's very nice. Is she? Yes. She's a beautiful young lady. And can can I talk about you for a second? Let me talk one more thing about you. About me? No, you, Janelle. Oh, Ooh, yeah, go for it. I'm still looking at my phone. I probably should not look at my phone anymore. No, that's okay. Okay. Who's yeah. the most famous person you've, like, talked to, you've met, being in the comedy oh. world? 
Okay. Um, Jay Leno was. Oh, yeah, Jay Leno's Letter good. answer. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, Jay Leno's a good one. Also, met Lisa Kudrow. Um, From Friends. Phoebe. Yeah. Thank you. Courtney Cox. Um, From Friends. Monica. Yeah. Uh, who the fuck else? Oh, Bill. Uh, no, no, I haven't met Bill Burr. I have met Louis C.K. I met Sarah Silverman. I met, um, uh, who the fuck else? Um, Whitney Cummings, Chelsea Handler. Nice. nice. Cook. Um, yeah, those are probably some good ones. So I'm not yeah. going to make you say who unless you want to. But of, out of that whole group, was there somebody that kind of sucked that that was like a jerk? Yeah. Oh, if you want to say it, you can. You if you don't want to, you don't have They're to. They're probably never going to see this, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say they sucked. I'd say, like, at the time, saying hello to someone when they're, like, in the middle of a conversation was, like, they're kind of, like, oh, hi. Like, a little bit turned off by... Mm-hmm. Um, I worked the Golden Globes one year, like long, long time ago for NBC. And I, that's when I got to meet Lisa and I was so excited because I had like looked up to her and she was kind of like, hi, like it was a little bit like, oh, shouldn't have went up and said, hey to her because she seemed like she was in, I interrupted her and she made it clear I was interrupting her and her conversation. I was like, I'm a big fan. I was in my little stupid little page uniform. I was like, oh no. And she was just like, okay, like, like moving. And I was like, but you know what? Looking back, it's like, they're just fucking humans having yes. a day like anyone else. Like who to say, I'm sure I'd have a bad day. Like, you know, so I don't want to hold that against her, but that was like a less than fun encounter. But other ones have been like great, I think. So you're in this world. I mean, you're in the whole scene. You're in the comedy world. You're in like, I guess I would call it like the corporate world or something. Yeah. It's um, no, truly in both worlds. Yeah. So it sounds like you're right where you want to be in the sense of you found your passion, right? Even if it's not, you don't know if it's the corporate part of it's like, I mean, you're in a win-win situation, you know, whatever works out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know that the passion and I know that what will work out is the comedy. It's just a matter of when will that be my main, main focus right. and when will I decide to, um, but truly it's nice to have like a secure, stable paycheck and benefits and all that. Like, I'm not trying to be someone that doesn't also appreciate like a planning side of myself or a business side of myself. Like I always was someone that like could easily dial into creative, but also business side. So I'm never Mm going to just like not care about the business side of it. Like always thinking of ideas I can pitch, like shows I can develop. Like I'm always constantly in the world of creating while also doing performative stuff. That's awesome. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know how you're so biggest humble. Hype man. You're like my biggest hype man. You well, like how you, but this yeah. is a, listen, I don't know how you're so humble. Me. Oh my God. Yeah, even just now. Yeah. Even just now. I treat people like garbage because I'm like, I have a podcast. You know what I mean? So I could even even my guy. So I can <laughs> just it's amazing. You know, you've even if I in my opinion, even if everything stopped today. You have a pretty cool story about your journey thus far. So you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. Happy to report I've gotten my vaccine shot. I'm a hero. Honestly, first time ever I got two free shots and someone didn't ask me for a (laughs) blowjob. Thank you guys. You've been amazing. I'm Adrienne Draper. This means a lot to me. And um, I think... I want to always be really humble because I know I've been in it for so long that I know 
Um, I know, like I keep saying, I've come a long way, but there's a lot more to come. So I just want to continue to stay really <laughs> mindful and really grateful. Like this, this means a lot to me. I couldn't wait to chat with you guys and you guys help me put things in perspective. Sometimes it's easy to get jaded and the day-to-day grind is just like, whatever, whatever. Like I, do, I have to pinch myself t- sometimes and go, I'm living my dream. Yeah. Like, even if it did end, I fucking gave it my all. But it's a slippery slope of like wanting, wanting, wanting. You get this thing, what's the next? It's like, you got to mm-hmm. check yourself. You got to check yourself always. So it's a, it's a big, it's a big psychological battle as well. Wow. Rob, <laughs> do you have anything else? I don't know. It's been great. It's, it's crazy. Did we I'm cover happy, it? Happy I think we, for you. we yeah, covered every topic, you know, folks. I think we had a nice conversation and, you know, it's great to just see in the mind of a comic, but also someone we grew up with. And it's, it's awesome. And I'm happy to see you doing well, you know? Absolutely. Um, well, thank you. Well, thank you. I have nothing but love for you both. I mean, you guys are such great guys and Honestly, it just makes me want to hit you up more when I'm home. Like we Absolutely. should grab a drink and get a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love to hear how well, you know, Rob, you're doing with your girlfriend and you're in Boston and Spencer, I got to meet your wife. It's really so special to see you guys like flourish into these like amazing men because not everyone yes. in our grade got to do that, you it, know. But yeah, you guys right. really did. You guys really like you walk the walk and it's like it's cool. Like I'm proud that we're like that we're, you know you know, we're fellow lion alumni friend. Like I love to think we had these crazy times in high school and like Keep we, can going. Come, we can come back and like catch up. Like it's not, like it's no time's gone. I yeah, want no, to say to you, yes, absolutely. But I have one last question. And for some reason, Rob likes to cut this part out, but we <laughs> have a question for you. Oh, lay it you on like me. grilling? Grilling, uh, yeah. I guess. I don't, like I like to eat. I don't like you to like grill. Grin, uh, do you like grilling accessories? Do you like seasonings? Yeah, I love seasonings. Would you like a one-stop shop to find all of that stuff? Sure. Do you know, <laughs> if you log on to www.grillyourassoff.com yeah. and you buy all your stuff, and I mean anything you want, grilling accessories, <laughs> if, you buy a, if you buy any of those things, at the checkout, you go to the promo code and you type in Reality Tonic. Okay, you with me? Yeah. That's us now. You type oh. in Reality Tonic, you can save yourself 15% off your order. That's okay? Incredible. It is incredible and it sounds too good to be true, but guess what? You can what? continuously do it. Okay? <laughs> you can just go get your 15% and then a couple days later be like, oh, I, I you know, I oh. ran out of whatever. Boom. Reality Tonic, 15% off. So please, if you are ready to <laughs> kickstart your summer, log on to www. Okay. <laughs> we always have a hard time getting through the business end, you know? All no, right. that's great. You guys have a, you have a sponsor. That's incredible. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. They sell right. flipper things. Yeah, spatulas. You go buy one for my dad. Like, that'll be yeah. nice. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. This is great. Wake up to reality. To reality. To reality.